0: Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we declare ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins to God, our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. That we have sinned against you in thought, word, deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. the Kyrie on page 152. In in peace let us pray to the Lord, For for the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord, for the peace of the whole world together forever. You may be seated. The Old Testament lesson is Isaiah chapter 65, verses 17 through 25. Behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy, and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old, and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed." They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they shall be the offering, the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking. I will hear the wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox and dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, and by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order Christ the first fruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us rise for the Gospel processional. They told all these things that to the eleven and, all, and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. This is the Gospel of the Lord. And this time we invite the Sunday school kids to come forward for their anthems. The text for today's sermon is our Holy Gospel lesson, Luke 24, verses 1 through 12 and specifically these ending verses. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. This is our text. You may be seated. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. title for today's sermon is, Definitely Alive. I made a comment here a few weeks ago when we had no church on a Wednesday evening that we were going to double up the sermons from the previous week. And it might be just a little bit longer. And it happened again that last Sunday we did not have church due to the storm that rolled through. And I was thinking, well, do we have an extra long sermon today on Easter Sunday when there's a lot of people here? And what I can think of is, and I know I've shared this with you before, but the words from Professor Dr. Robert came to my mind. He was definitely one, God rest his soul, who had a lot of quips and clichés that he would share with the students at the seminary. And it's that phrase that will always be in my mind. And it makes me smile and I think about it every time I step into the pulpit and it is the Holy Spirit lasts 18 minutes and so should you. But I always wonder if the Holy Spirit works on comp time. So does that mean I get 36 today? Don't worry. In Maryland, we had the opportunity to live right next to the fire station. And it was eventful to say the least, living next door to a fire station, a volunteer fire station, that much like Ray still uses a civil defense horn to summon the volunteer firemen, even though there's radios that they use, but we lived right next door to the siren. Outside of Hancock, Maryland, where Interstate 68 and I 70 come together, is a part of those two, of that intersection that they call Concrete Hill. It's a nightmare for semi drivers. It's on a corner and you're heading down into a valley. Saturday nights were the worst because it usually started at about midnight when there would be a wreck out there on Concrete Hill. at that junction, at that intersection, and the sirens would go off next door. We knew the sirens were going to go off because the lights dimmed in our house. Because we were on the same transformer. And that horn sat right on top of the fire station and would blast right into the upstairs windows of the parsonage. All the way deafening loud. You could not have a conversation with that siren running. Even months after we had lived there people from the congregation would ask, well have you gotten used to the siren? You don't get used to something like that. It rattles your teeth every time it went off. And on Saturday nights it would go off, and then the firemen would be racing to the firehouse with their lights going, and some of the vehicles would have the sweepers on them, and some of them would have the sirens running. And then they would start pulling out the trucks, and then they would hit the sirens, and then there was a four-way stop sign right by our house there, right by the parsonage. And when they would hit that stop sign, they would hit that ah, ah sound, and that would go off. And those of you who are in the volunteer fire departments, you know exactly where that's at. At 1 in the morning, or 2 in the morning, we would hear those sirens. A few hours later, they would show back up and park in front of the parsonage with their lights running as they would clean up, drain the hoses, take care of stuff, check the equipment, and then they would back the trucks back into the firehouse. And you all know what happens when you drop one of them into reverse. The backup alarm goes off. You'd go to church the next day, and they would say, Pastor, you look a little tired. It was an exhausting night. But there was one night that was significant when there was an accident... And as all the firemen went out, we could even hear the sirens going from across the river in West Virginia and Berkeley Springs. And they were summoning a lot of people. A lot of trucks were heading out to Concrete Hill. Come the next day, we heard the whole story. It was a state trooper that had come up on an accident right there on Concrete Hill, and there were cars everywhere. And so he starts calling in how many cars there were that were in the ditches in the median that were scattered across the highway. And he says, it doesn't look good. He goes, I'm sure there's lots of injuries. And as he was starting to check everything, and as the firemen started to show up and the ambulances started to show up, and the other first responders came onto the scene, they too saw all these cars. But there was something not right. There was nobody there. There were no bodies. Just two guys aimlessly wandering around. And they finally started putting things together as they evaluated the entire accident and realized it was two car carriers that had gotten tangled up. The panic that was there when they first saw it. The uncertainty. What's going to happen now when there's no bodies anywhere? What happened to all these people? And it was one volunteer fireman who made the comment he says, You know, it was almost like everyone was raptured and we were just standing there looking at this. It's a weird feeling when you're expecting something and it's not there. Jesus had delivered a message throughout His entire ministry as He walked with His disciples. All four Gospels pick up on this, and especially the Gospel of Luke. That the Son of Man is going to suffer He's going to be whipped. He's going to be tortured. He's going to be handed over. He's going to be betrayed and ultimately die on a cross. He will be buried. And then He'll rise again from the grave on the third day. And even though that is repeated over and over and over again to the disciples, and even though they had privileges and opportunities to witness everything that had taken place, the day of resurrection showed up And we hear that phrase, it was just an idle tale. It was a fictional story. Did He really rise from the grave? Was death really conquered? Where is Jesus? It's certainly the question that his followers were asking on that Easter morning. Where is Jesus? All the way through His ministry, He's advocating and teaching them and giving to them the certain comfort and hope of what's going to take place. That He's not an earthly king. That He's not here to restore order in in their world that they were living in. That He's not going to be put on a throne. That the Roman government isn't going to be thrown out. No, He's talking of a greater magnitude that death is going to be conquered that there's going to be a resurrection and that Satan and all of his minions and sin and the wiles of the world will be overthrown and that his followers can be assured of life everlasting it's a great gospel message that is delivered to us even today. And yet that message still falls on deaf ears and hardened hearts. It still has to confront the old Adam. And God's law is still very real and very exposing as it's placed before each of us. And it reveals... That sinfulness within us. And that darkness within us. And as we've learned throughout the last several weeks, it squelches the roar of the lion out of Amos. That it doesn't want to hear God's Word. And it doesn't want to hear the truths that God has given to us through His Holy Scriptures. And it wants us to have nothing to do with Jesus Christ and the resurrection and the death on the cross and the miracles that He did and the restoration of creation. It wants you to lead your own lives and to do what you desire, That is the desires that are upon your heart. It doesn't want to answer the unexplained. It wants to only use logic is corrupted by sin and human reasoning to fulfill your desires and your wants and your needs. That's what sin and the old Adam have done to us. Completely separated us from God, working diligently to close the mouth of the lion so that we don't hear God's Word and to rely on ourselves. To believe that the resurrection is merely an idle tale. It's a nice bedtime story or a -a once-a-year narrative to hear. But that's not what it is because You have been marked and redeemed. You have been washed and cleansed in the waters of baptism. And even for those early disciples here in Luke, they still went to the tomb. They still had to see with their own eyes. And yet we know that at the end of the next week, they were still, still fearful what might happen to them. And it's when Christ comes and stands in the midst of them, and He speaks those words, Peace be with you. Those words are significant for us even today. That God's peace be with you. Because that old Adam in us is still constantly asking that question, Where is Jesus? As we see sin pound down on us, when there are trials and tribulations and struggles and uncertainties, when there's doctor visits that we don't want to go to, When there's temptations that confront us day and day again as we sit in front of a computer and are tempted to indulge in the lusts of the flesh. When we're tempted to evaluate others and use slanderous remarks to describe them. To gossip. That old Adam works in us and says, It's just an idle tale. It didn't really happen. It's 2,000 years ago. It's not relevant today. It doesn't apply to you. Don't worry. You can't see Jesus. So live how you want to. And yet it's still God's Word that prevails. It's that comfort that He brings to us in peace be with you. It's that comfort that He brings to us at the end of Matthew. That all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That Jesus Christ still reigns today. That He is still in charge. That He hasn't abandoned you or forsaken us or left us out there to be devoured by Satan and sin, that He still carries us and draws us through the difficult times. And He still strengthens our faith. Just as we heard our children sing this morning and as we remembered yet just a few days ago that He gave to us a New Testament, a new covenant that He cut with His own blood. And when we think of covenants out of the Old Testament and that relationship between the people and God, something's going to die. And this final sacrifice is Jesus Christ and it's His blood that sealed the deal for you. And so as you come to the rail today and you partake of His body and blood, it's that promise that He is truly present there. That He comes to you truly present in, with, and under the body and the blood. The confession that we have and that we make. The promise that faith clings to. That He is in the meal. That He's not just a 2,000 year old fictional character but He is a historic person, a God that has revealed Himself in the flesh to you. Today, you come and feast on the Lord Jesus Christ. His mercy poured out upon you, the forgiveness of sins given to you, life everlasting promised to you. That's our Savior, Jesus Christ. The Gospel message, life everlasting, is yours. Amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. Let us rise and we confess our faith by words of the Nicene Creed. who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was under the Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And on the third day he rose again from the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead. I have
1: no life Jesus
0: the, the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son Jesus is worship in told by the prophets and I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic Church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus, each according to their needs. Almighty and merciful Father, You alone are the one who watches over us and protects us at all times and in all places. You draw Your people together to hear the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ alone. We implore You, Lord, that You be with the shut-ins of Calvary Lutheran Church, granting to them the peace that surpasses all understanding. We pray especially for Harry Eckberg, June Jensen, Robert Paraset, Lillian Peters, Elizabeth Welp, Bonnie Davison, Vi Wall, and Bonnie Knees. Be with each of these people your servants, giving to them the peace that surpasses all understanding through Jesus Christ. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Almighty and merciful Father, you are the great physician, and through you comes all healing, both spiritually and physically. We implore you, Lord, that you be with those who have been hospitalized this past week or are recovering from various from various treatments. We pray especially for Conrad Bauer, for Larry Roosh, who underwent surgery yesterday, uh, on Friday, and also for Gary Adler, the father of Brent Adler. Be with each of these men, lift them up, sustain them, and grant to them healing and strength each and every day. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Good and gracious Father, you are the one who watches over all people in all places and in all times. You raise up people to serve in the military, to protect our country and the freedoms that you have given to us. We ask on this day that you be with all who served in the armed forces of this country, giving to them comfort and peace wherever they are. And we pray especially for Jordan Stober, who is in the Air Force. Send your guardian angels to watch over and protect him. Give him your peace and strengthen him each and every day. Be with his family as well, giving them comfort in knowing that that you are with him at all times. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We lay all of these prayers before you, plus those which are upon our hearts, through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, who lives and reigns with you and and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated as the offerings are gathered. Pray, We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift, and we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and grant you His peace.
1: You may be seated for.